When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang Out in the Holy Land, Langrant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined as always by Josh Dooley. Uh, Josh, it's been a, it's been a little bit here, man. How you doing? It's the uh, we're not quite in the off season yet, but it feels that way with the the time between these latest Ohio State games. How uh, how we feeling? Uh, I'm doing good, man. The boys are back. Good to hear your voice again. I know we've been going back and forth doing your nuts and things like that, but a lot to talk about. So. Uh, excited to get on here and sort of banter about with you a little bit. Um, probably complain like many Ohio State fans are doing right now and uh, just have at it. Yeah, for sure. Nothing quite like bantering about the Bucks. That is what everyone always says. Um, but yeah, we're kind of here to, to we're not quite at uh, Georgia preview yet. That will be next week. Um, with the game coming up on New Year's Eve, but on this on this fine week of Christmas, which is kind of crazy to, to say at this point, it feels like it, it really snuck up on us fast here. A um, lot of Ohio State recruiting stuff to talk about. We have transfer portal stuff, latest on you know injury news and notes, things of that nature. So just here to kind of give you a general update on the the state of affairs at Ohio State, especially among the football team as it goes. Um, so we're going to start off here with a bit of the latest on the recruiting front. Um, obviously, the big news of the weekend here, the decommitment of five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola from Ohio State. Uh, Rayola was the number one quarterback and number one overall player in the 2024 class. As I said, he's a five-star guy. He'd been committed to Ohio State since May 9th. Um, he's an Arizona native, but his father, Dominic Rayola, was a Remington Award winner at Nebraska and went on to play offensive line in the NFL. His uncle, Donovan Rayola, is, was uh, retained as an offensive line coach on Matt Rule's new staff at Nebraska. So all signs point to the Cornhuskers as his likely destination down the road. So not only does Ohio State lose him, but they will have to likely play against him several times throughout his career. Um but yeah, Josh, that is that is kind of the big news of the week. Kind of the, the sky is falling as we wrote on our on our year nuts today, um, and kind of gave our thoughts more in depth on that. But that was the the big recruiting news and kind of a big blow um, to the early start of Ohio State's 2024 class. Even though there is quite a while till signing day comes around, that is not something that you you want to see at any point. No, I mean, look, Gene, there's no good way to spin his decommitment as a net positive, right? And I think that you and I both fairly hit on that in your nuts. You know, he appears to be a heck of a player, number one in his class for a reason. But, you know, my biggest thing is as good as he looks on paper way out in the future, 
I just think we've got to stop freaking out over 16 and 17 year old kids as weird as that is to say out loud. I kind of want to scratch that from the record, but um, the way I look at it, no player is committed nowadays until they sign on the bottom line. And even then who says they stick around, you know, um, this is the new norm. And I think it is better for, I think it's better that Rayola decommitted now as opposed to 12 months from now. And as far as Ohio State and their coaches go, I really think that Ryan Day and Corey Dennis deserve the benefit of the doubt here. And now at least they have time to go and find the next guy, their next Heisman candidate, if we're going off recent track record, right? So, yes, it's a big blow, but Ohio State can move on from this. And I Nothing was, you know, set in stone, written in ink, anything like that. You know, this kid is a sophomore in high school right now. We don't know where he's going to go. He could have a change of heart. He could be an absolute bust, although, you know, neither one of us would put that on him. Um, It's just, this is the new norm. And I think things like this are going to happen more and more often, but I'm not going to lose sleep over it because I look at, the, the recent quarterbacks that Ohio State has had, specific to Ryan Day, right? He did not recruit Dwayne Haskins, but he helped to develop him and, and help him find success. Dwayne Haskins was a late flip from Maryland, right? Justin Fields was a transfer from Georgia. And C.J. Stroud, he received his offer in October of 2019, signed two months later. OSU got in very late on him really based on the recommendation of some of his current teammates. So there is time. I, I, there's no reason, in my opinion, to freak out. Yes, he's a great player, but one player does not make a roster. And Ohio State still has, you know, Jeremiah Smith in this class, who I think we're going to talk about, the offensive lineman out of Indiana, Ian Moore. And they also just got, uh, in my opinion, a heck of a quarterback signed up for the 2023 class, we think. You know, we'll, we'll see come Wednesday. But there's talent in this room, and Ryan Day has developed guys year over year over year. So, you know, this is sort of a a drop in the bucket, but I I don't want to overreact. And I think a lot of people are. It's kind of the combination of things that have happened towards the latter end of the year. But Ohio State's going to be fine. I, I, I truly believe that. All the best to Dylan Rayola if he goes elsewhere. But if he chooses to go to Nebraska or wherever it is. I I don't think that there was much Ohio state could have done. Now, maybe they broke a promise to him that they weren't going to take a 2023 quarterback. I don't know that I believe that, but there's talent here. And it sounds like the draw of like family, um, you know, maybe there's some NIL involved, although I don't know if I believe that either. I just, I think there was something pulling him away the whole time. And the Matt rule hiring may have sort of, you know, set him over the top. But we'll be okay. I promise. Do you think so? Yeah, I think you made a couple of good points there. First off, you know, yeah, better this happens now than later. Obviously, ideally, it wouldn't happen at all. But if it was going to happen, you'd like it to happen now and you still have a full year until the 2024 signing day. It gives the Buckeyes a ton of time to find his replacement. Like you said, they recently flipped Lincoln Keenholz from Washington in the 2023 class. He is a, a fast-rising four-star quarterback. 
They have freshman Devin Brown on the roster, who is number the number six quarterback in the 2022 class. So the room isn't exactly barren. They also obviously have Kyle McCord and guys of that nature. But this one, you know, it still hurts, but it does. They have a ton of time to find his replacement. And like you said, this has been, you know, Ryan Day at Ohio State has has found a way to find guys even late um, in the cycle that have gone on to be really good players at Ohio State. Look at a guy, like you said, like Dwayne Haskins with a late flip, like C.J. Stroud, who came on late in his class. Um, so it's not out of the question that Ohio State, you know, goes into this class. Obviously, they still have a lot of time, but even if it takes a while to find a replacement, I have no doubt that they will find one. Um, far be it from me, as I said in my Your Nuts column, I am not by any means a Ryan Day defender, but I do agree with you on this front that you do kind of have to give him and Corey Dennis the benefit of the doubt, at least when it comes to the quarterback position. They have proven that they are, are good at, at both identifying talent and bringing them in, bringing them to Ohio State. Um, so I do believe they will find a very good quarterback in 2024. I mean, he's probably not going to be higher rated than Dylan Raiola unless the rankings shuffle quite a bit um, down the pipe. But um, nonetheless, they will still probably wind up with a very good player. Um, you know, you look at guys, I, you know, I, I've seen a lot of sour grapes from the Ohio State fan base talking about, you know, Dylan Rayola, and like, we don't, we don't really know what he's going to be. Obviously, he has all the, you know, the recruiting accolades you look for, but we don't know what he's going to be. And I don't want to, you know, root, I'm not rooting against him. I'm not rooting, you know, against his best interest. You know, if he, if it is a family thing, whatever, it's, it's not the first time that's happened to Ohio State. You look at a commitment like, you know, last year's Desan McCullough, who left for, for family reasons to go to Indiana. It seems to be, you know, from what I've read up on it, it seems to be that's the biggest draw right now for him and, and likely ending up at Nebraska. But nonetheless, whatever the reason, there haven't really been um, a ton of players who have decommitted from Ohio State in recent years that have gone on to make, you know, real significant impacts elsewhere in college football. You know, I saw a list on Twitter the other day. It was about 18 to 20 names um, since 2018 of, of bigger, like, recruits that have decommitted from Ohio State and went on to play elsewhere. And really the only big name in there on that group is Clark Phillips at Utah, the corner. But everyone else is kind of just, you know, they're they're good to okay players. Some of them turned out to be busts, but none of them really went on to be, you know, either elite level prospects and I, and I know that not all of them were as highly rated as a guy like Rayola but this hasn't been something that has come back to really bite Ohio State in the past so um like I said not rooting against him but it has been sort of a trend that a lot of these guys that have decommitted from Ohio State and went to play elsewhere didn't exactly go on to be you know the superstars that they may, may have looked in their recruiting rankings but yeah I mean a lot of time left. Not not a room that we really have to worry about. That's really the only thing I trust Ryan Day to do on this staff is to find quarterbacks and develop them and and have them in playing shape. So Ohio State's still you know in a good spot and on that front, and I, I'm sure they will you know find a way to to make this up. But um, yeah, I, I think that this one still does hurt. You don't want to, you know, it was nice to have for a, a few days there the number one quarterback and number one wide receiver in the class, both the number one and number two players overall. And we will talk about uh, Jeremiah Smith here shortly. But, uh, you know, it seemed a little too good to be true. It was, you know, we saw the writing on the wall when Rayola didn't really tweet anything about uh, Jeremiah Smith's commitment to Ohio State. But, yeah, overall, I think that the, you know, the sky isn't falling in Ohio State. There's been a lot of, you know, negatives towards the program and there are a lot of legitimate gripes for fans to have but I don't think that you know this is one where Ryan Day really deserves a ton of blame Ohio State is you know they're they're producing NFL talent at the position they're one of the best offense in the country one of the biggest brands in the country if all of that wasn't enough uh, to get Raiola to stay then I don't really know how much else this coaching staff could have done to convince him otherwise yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on pretty much everything and I, I've seen or I've heard people talk about the peer recruiting. He was, you know, this year's ver or the 2024 version potentially of CJ Hicks or somebody like that. But then I look at this 2023 class 
there was no quarterback leading the charge. You know, it was Brandon Innes, Carnell Tate, uh, Luke Montgomery. So, yes, to have the number one player in the class, you'd rather have him than not, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't go out there and get 15, 20 other, frankly, studs based on who else you have in the class. And maybe that's a good segue into Jeremiah Smith, who I think we're both pretty excited about. Yeah, for sure. And and of course, you know, Ohio State has not really been hurting uh, for offensive talent here in recruiting these last few years. It's really been more on the defensive side. And so it's not like, you know, I'm sure Iola would have would have still put in work on the defensive end, but his his influence, I would say, was more on the offensive end in Ohio State. Not exactly hurting on that front at the skill positions. And that does bring us to uh, five-star wide receiver Jeremiah Smith. As mentioned earlier, he is the number one wide receiver in that 2024 class, the number two overall player on the 247 Sports Composite. Six foot three stud receiver out of Florida. He had been crystal balled to Ohio State since as early as this past March. So not a total surprise that he did commit. Maybe the timing was a bit of a surprise. I don't think we were really, you know, quite prepared for that to, to break when it did, but Nonetheless, just another huge, huge wide receiver commit for Brian Hartline, another feather in his cap, seemingly the only, you know, Ohio State assistant that has kept his recruiting at the highest level, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, but it's almost not even newsworthy (laughs) anymore when the Buckeyes land a five-star receiver, as crazy as that is to say. You know, I think we take it for granted at sometimes, just the stockpile of talent Ohio State has in that room. It It is ridiculous. Brian Hartline has been and continues to be one of the best recruiters in the entire country. Um, and it's just really impressive what he's doing. You know, you look at guys, Julian Fleming was the number one receiver in his class. Um, I'm struggling with who was the other, they had a number, n- another number one Ibuka recently Ibuka was number one. Yeah, Ibuka was number one. You look, Brandon Innes in this class has been number one. I don't know if that's that's changed or not, but he's been number one at times. So, you know, you're looking at four guys here in just the past few years that have been the top overall receiver in the entire country, and Brian Hartline has gone out and got all of them. So just another huge player in that room. Ohio State continues to be wide receiver U, and it looks like that is not slowing down anytime soon. Hartline strikes again. I, I don't even know what else you can say at this point. And the heartline piece aside, which can't be ignored, but I think Jeremiah Smith's commitment is is good on a couple fronts, really. I think it says something, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think it says something about his relationship with Brian Hartline and maybe Brian Hartline, again, maybe he has let him know like, hey, I'm here, I'm going to be here, I want to help develop you make you the next, you know, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr., what have you. So I, I think that's a positive. And also, Jeremiah Smith is another kid out of Florida. And I think there is at least some familiarity there with a guy like Brandon Ennis. And so I think that's good. It, you know, it, it seems like Brandon Ennis is absolutely, definitely staying in the fold here. We'll see if he commits early on Wednesday. But like, those things sort of go hand in hand. And so I think it's positive momentum for a guy like Brian Hartline, who may or may not had some may or may not have had some potential job offers out there. Brandon Innes, you know, I, I know people were talking about Deion Sanders and he even said he might wait until February or something like that to commit. Maybe he still does. But the fact that I, I believe he's got a relationship with Jeremiah Smith and Brian Hartline clearly does like, those are some building blocks. You can start to stack those a little bit and, and, you know, sort of point to more of the positive stuff and ignore some of the things that, you know, the detractors are saying. And we, even as fans, are sort of up in arms about. So 
nothing but positive news right now with Jeremiah Smith and that wide receiver room. That's what Ohio State kind of hangs their hat on, that quarterback development. So, yes, they need to work on some other things, some other aspects of the team, play calling, what have you, but they've kept this train rolling, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're never gonna, you know, you balk at uh, this kind of talent here. Um, but I did want to kind of talk about. I don't want to get uh, get too negative here. Um, but just looking elsewhere on the both the 2023 and 2024 recruiting fronts, more so 2023, even though you know most of the big news this past weekend was from 2024. Um, as as I sort of alluded to here, you know, this Ohio State staff on the recruiting trail. Um, has 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 given me some concerns as of late. You know, I'm not willing to. You know, like I said, the sky is certainly not falling in Columbus with still, you know, all the talent that they're going to bring in here next year and the year after and and all that and whatnot. But just like you know, some of the guys that have been on staff for a while and we've kind of you know seen that what they're able to do in the past haven't really maybe kept up their end of the bargain. And I'm not expecting everyone to be pulling in the number one player at their position quite like Brian Hartline, but. A couple of the guys that we, you know, kind of expect to to do good work out there, and especially based on the legacy Ohio State has in some of these positions, it's kind of, you know, these positions kind of recruit themselves, and Ohio State really isn't landing the caliber of talent anymore that they they once were. And so I look at a place like, you know, defensive end here, where Ohio State was was in big on three five-star defensive ends. You know, they were once in a great position for, you know, Mateo Uyunglele, uh, Damon Wilson, and Keon Keeley. Uh, the race for Uyunglele seems too close to call, but USC and Oregon seem to have the inside track with him being a, a West Coast guy. You know, Damon Wilson remains crystal ball to Ohio State, but it sounds a lot like Georgia is the team to beat at this point. Um, seemed like Ohio State had a great chance to flip Keeley from Notre Dame, but he committed to Alabama last week. And so there's a good chance they go 0 for 3 on those on those big names and you know, you look here, Larry Johnson, obviously a legend at his position, one of one of the greats at Ohio State all time. But I, I think there is a chance here that he's starting to fall behind a bit. Ohio State really hasn't had, you know, a, a dominant off uh, defensive lineman since Chase Young in 2019. And maybe a guy like J.D. Tuimaloa gets there. We certainly saw the potential of that in his game against Penn State this year. But I wouldn't say he's quite at that level just yet. And, you know, you can't. You can't, you know, he landed both JT Tumaloa and Jack Sawyer in 2021, so that was obviously huge. But otherwise, it's really been hit or miss for for Coach LJ, and I don't really know what the future holds. You know, it seems like every single off season we have the the rumors that he's getting ready to retire. But I'm, I'm not quite sure what to think. You know, him and a guy like Tony Alford, whose recruiting has been, you know, even more suspect than Larry Johnson's. Um, you look at his his track record here, other than Travion Henderson, who's basically been, you know, hurt his entire first years at Ohio State. His last premier running back commit was J.K. Dobbins back in 2016. You know, you could give him credit for Mayan Williams, but when Williams came in, he was the number 627 player, number 45 running back in that 2020 class. You know, we all know that, that Ohio State should have probably had B. John Robinson in Columbus. You know, you mentioned before, there's no currently running back committed in 2023 after Mark Fletcher's decommitment. Uh, he just recently committed to Miami. And, you know, at, at a place like Ohio State with such a rich history at, at running back, you would think that running back recruiting shouldn't be this hard. It's kind of the same with defensive linemen, but even more so at running back. So two guys in Larry Johnson and Tony Alford that have been on this staff forever and guys that we've kind of given the benefit of the doubt to. But at a certain point here, what at, at what at where do you think that Ohio State has to, you know, kind of look in the mirror here a bit and, and decide that they're not really getting the results here on the recruiting trail that they're that they might want at these two positions? Fair criticism. Um, hard to sort of, uh, you know, pick nits with that sort of view of things. I, I look at it as Larry Johnson. He, other coaches are going to 
negatively recruit against Ohio State because of Larry Johnson's, you know, advanced age. Let's call it what it is. I think he's still drinking from the fountain of youth. But yeah, like they they made swing and miss on some guys in 2023, and the same could be said for the running back position. But uh, I'm not ready to call it a decision on Mateo Ugulele. Oh my goodness, Mateo. Uh, I'm not going to butcher that. It's been a long day. Um, Ohio State is still very much in it, it, it seems. And I, I think they're in a very good position to flip Joshua Mickens, former LSU commit out of Indiana. Now he may be sort of like that Jack profile, but a really talented football player. And it's with these elite, elite prospects who are number one, number two at their position, it, it, it's hard to reel all of those guys in. So Yes, you want to get them, but like I have to look at it from this point of view. Ohio State has really been in it seemingly until the end with a number of these guys. And close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? But they're on the precipice. They're in it. They're in the final conversation with these guys. So it's not like they are not playing a factor here. It's just, you know, it's a couple swings and misses. And I think it's magnified when it is a player like Keon Keeley, like Damon Wilson, who are, you know, again, top prospects at their position, but only one school gets these guys. And so I look at it as Ohio State has lost out to one other school on a couple of guys here and there. I still have faith in Larry Johnson's development, and hopefully these guys from the 2021-2022 classes pan out and – I even look at a guy like Jason Moore out of Maryland. His recruiting, you know, ranking has sort of gone up and up. And same thing goes for Will Smith, legacy guy here out of Columbus, Ohio. They're not the same profile. They don't carry the same cachet as a guy like Keon Keeley. But yeah, you know, the recruiting and the development, they they need to go hand in hand. And maybe Larry Johnson is not hitting grand slams year in, year out, but there's still plenty of talent in the room. I would like to see more. Uh, I'm not going to deny that or or push back on it. I'd like to see them get somebody. And I think that if they are able to maybe land Mateo, then that sort of quells my fears just a little bit or my concerns, I guess. But yeah, like it, it needs to get better. It's just, it's really tough when you're putting your eggs in this really high to reach basket, right? With these guys, they're not going after, for three and four star guys. Yeah, they might pick some up along the way and identify a guy that they believe is very talented, but they are swinging for the fences. Maybe maybe look at a double or a triple, you know, a baseball term. I know you're a baseball guy. Um, you may not want to hear that as an Ohio State fan. We should have the highest expectations. I don't think that we should lower them, but it's about rounding out the class. And if some of these guys who are you know, mid four stars pan out, then I think this will all be forgotten. But that's defensive end. As far as running back goes, yeah, I'm a little more with you on that one. Uh, the thing that I feel good about is the talent currently in the room. We saw what Dallin Hayden could do. We have not seen Evan Pryor really on the field that much. Heck of a talent. Unfortunately, got injured this year. I think that Alfred deserves credit for what he's done with Mayan Williams. So, would you like to get a Zeke in? Yeah, sure. But I, I don't even know that Zeke was a five-star when they brought him in. So um, recruiting's tough, man. And I think that's part of the bigger conversation. There are 
more schools out there, I think, nowadays who – I don't want to say that they can offer something Ohio State can't because then I think you're just looking at strictly like NIL and, and, and things like that, and I don't think that that's a factor with everyone across the board. But I even look at the other kid, uh, gosh, Richard Young, right? Ohio State was in it with him, but they've gotten to the precipice of signing one or two of these guys and, and fell short ultimately at the very, very end. So it's a concerning trend, but it is at least encouraging that they are – being looked at as a possibility and you know they need to close a little bit harder i think that's hard to argue with but i i don't think the sky is falling this is a cyclical thing and if ohio state is winning 10 11 12 games for uh, let's not talk 10 right we, we want 11 wins plus right but the on-field product still looks pretty good in my opinion they're in a college football playoff like that's my biggest thing is yes not Everything is trending in the right direction for them, in a perfect direction. But this program is on solid ground, and they are in the final four. So I think that we need to look at the totality of things and be like, yeah, okay, not everything has gone our way, but we're still in a really good spot. And hopefully they can close out specifically this 2023 class strong and then start to build that momentum back up for 2024. Yeah, 2023 class lagging a bit by Ohio State Sanders, currently only the the number seven class in the country. But like you said, still in on a number of guys. So we'll, that remains to be seen how that finishes out. But yeah, I think you make a lot of a lot of good points. You know, when you're when you're shooting for the stars, you're like Ohio State. There's what only like, you know, 32 or so five stars in any given class. And when, you know, you're a school yeah. like Ohio State that's shooting for those ty- type of guys, you're not going to land all of them. So maybe the misses just feel harder because Ohio State is shooting much higher than a lot of other schools are in the first place. And so, you know, you're not going to land all those big names. But yeah, I, I think that's that's entirely fair. Um, I also think that, you know, I, I think my main gripe when it comes to the defensive line is just that the, you know, I don't know if this is recruiting or development, but it just seems like in, you know, Ohio State's biggest games in recent past and the ones that they've come up short in, the defensive line has just, you know, kind of disappeared. Like, when is the last time you remember, mm-hmm. um, like, an Ohio State defensive lineman making, like, a, a key play in a big game for Ohio State, other than, you know, JT Tumaloa against Penn State, obviously. But in, in all of these games where Ohio State has, has ultimately lost, it just seems like the defensive line has been non-existent and I don't know what that's a result of but maybe that's where my main gripe comes from but I also think that you know maybe we are just a bit jaded because of the run of talent Ohio State had from like 2014 to 2019 with the Bosa brothers and Chase Young I, I think that the term you know the term generational talent gets thrown out a bit too much these days but Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, and Chase Young were all three generational talents. I don't think there's any way around it. They were some of the best of the best we've ever seen in the defensive end position. They continue to be that at the next level. Um, and just, you know, th- there's obviously going to be a drop-off from those three guys. There just isn't a guy like that in every recruiting class. We haven't seen, you know, Will Anderson looked like he had a chance to be the next Chase Young, you know, last year, but this year he didn't really do much of anything. And so I think just those type of guys are few and far between. And because Ohio State had three of them in a row in such quick succession, I think that kind of jaded our view of the defensive line as a whole. So maybe that is, you know, maybe Larry Johnson does get some undeserved, you know, um, 
gripes his way because of what Ohio State had versus what they have now. It's obviously not going to be the same. But like I said, I would just like to see more of that that impact in big games. And then, yeah, on the running back front, that is that's definitely a bigger concern of mine than defensive line. I, I know that especially Ohio if none State's of them can stay really, healthy, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's you know we're not going to go off on my my Mick Marotti tangent, but depth wise and talent wise in that room, Ohio State is still in very good shape for next year. You're going to have all four um, of those guys back. I would imagine uh, Trayvon Henderson, who we could, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later, um, is injured. But you have, you know, Mayan Williams and Dallin Hayden both look really good this year. But Mayan Williams also banged up here and there. But it sounds like he's going to be good to go um, for the playoff game. Uh, in that, like you said, Evan Pryor, we still haven't seen yet, but another very highly touted guy. So you have four guys in that room next year that are all pretty, pretty good guys. You're, you're, you're pretty feeling good about that depth. But obviously, not having a running back in 2023. Um, is a little bit concerning, and just with you know, like I said, the the rich history of the p- tradition at Ohio State. I mean, you have you are the only school in the country that could say you have a two time Heisman winner at running back and Archie Griffin. You had you know Eddie George, Ezekiel Elliott, like you said in recent memory. Um, just just a, a history of those type of running backs at Ohio State, and to kind of be lagging behind a bit at, at running back these last few years in the recruiting rankings has been you know frustrating. But maybe it's like you said, it, it could all be cyclical. Maybe it comes back around. Ohio State lands you know a five star running back in twenty twenty four. They still have a chance to add maybe not as big of a name but maybe a late bloomer in 2023 as as this class finishes out so um i guess we'll we'll give them you know some time there but yeah i I think that um there's a lot of a lot of negative floating around the ohio state program with the losses to michigan and, and whatnot and i think that's starting to bleed over into the recruiting game and everyone's just looking to you know fans are looking for reasons to complain at this point and i i personally love to complain about ohio state but even i am not you know, fully on the level of some other people. Um, I think that the, you know, Ohio State recruiting will continue to be just fine. They are Ohio State, but there are, you know, there's there's some legitimate gripes, but I think that we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. Like you said, there is still a, a cultural playoff game to be played this season. Like we are not even quite yet talking about next season. Um, so I think we got to temper our expectations just a little bit. Let, let's, let's see what happens before we get mad preemptively. And then we could really, you know, judge everything from there. Yeah, and I... The way that I would sort of put my bow on it in maybe maybe I come across as an apologist in, in doing so is look at all of these other programs. You know, recruiting is not easy. Making it to a college football playoff year in, year out almost, it's not easy. And you look at those two positions in particular, running back and defensive end, go and find me another school who is churning out guy after guy after guy that they brought in as a five-star talent and put into the NFL, you know, uh, on still on the ascent. It's not easy. Alabama can't do it at every position. Clemson can't do it at every position. Georgia can't do it at every position. So that's why I think it's cyclical because outside of Ohio State and their quarterbacks and their wide receivers, there aren't a lot of you know, blank U's out there, right? There aren't a lot of um, DBUs, offensive line U's, like those programs that just year in, year out are putting monster after monster after monster into the NFL. So it's just, there's so much high level competition right now, even though we all collectively argue about the same teams kind of making it to the CFP, but like, there are a lot of good schools, a lot of good programs out there, and it's, it's just tough. But I am with you. Like you, Ohio State needs to hold themselves accountable, in my opinion, to their own standard. Right? If I'm pointing my fingers at them, you said it. 
Now we expect you to maintain it. And so that's where I think some of the complaints and the criticism it comes from, because it's like, look, you are the coach, Larry Johnson, that brought in the Bosa's and Chase Young and, and sort of developed them and, and brought them up. So if you're not doing it still or, or doing it consistently, you are going to receive some criticism. But I think it's just at some point you have to take a step back and be like, look, you know, we can't trot out a, a top one, top two recruit at every single position on the team uh, and, and just sort of steamroll opponents and make this thing happen. So I, I don't want to make excuses, but the reality of things is like, this is a damn difficult you know, thing to do and to accomplish. And Ohio State is still near the top. And um, if they get a guy like Mateo and uh, maybe a, a player or two we don't currently know about, then they might eke up into that top five. And you look at some of the other programs in that top five, how are they getting the players? And maybe this leads into the next conversation, but I look at some of the top the top five programs or around the top five for 2023. You're talking about Miami. Um, we think we know how they're getting some of these commits. Show it to me on the field. Uh, they're going to be, what, a 6-7 win team this year? Florida brought in Billy Napier, got some of these recruits, or they're projected to get some of these recruits in their 2023 class. It's not fair to judge them yet because those coaches just got there, but show me proof of concept. Look at Texas A&M. I mean, they imploded after they, uh, you know, let's face it, wrote a blank check for their 2022 recruiting class. So I just, I think Ohio State is still holding strong on development and that's maybe where, and I don't want to speak for you, maybe that's where our biggest disappointment arises from is the lack of development for guys here and there, you know, a couple of them across the board. Yeah, and I think that, you know, especially in today's um, today's era of college football too, even when you don't hit on the recruiting trail, you now have a kind of second second chance at life here um, with the, the transfer portal and the way that that's used nowadays. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about that before we get into anything else, just, you know, another form of roster building. We talk about recruiting transfer portals, really recruiting 2.0 these days with all of the players that, that jump into college football's version of free agency here. Just some Ohio State centric uh, transfer portal news as that's kind of been going nuts. I'm um, not in the Ohio State sense, but just across the country. Um, j- uh, three players so far from Ohio State's current roster have announced their intentions to transfer out. Uh, those would be Taraja Mitchell, Jansen Dunn, and Jalen Johnson. Um, none of these guys played any any meaningful snaps for Ohio State this season. Mitchell, obviously the biggest name of the three. He was the longest tenured, 63 total tackles across five seasons with the program. And not not to besmirch his name at all, but I honestly had no idea that he was still on the team. I thought he had graduated after last year. Um, obviously not, you know, Ohio State only really playing the two linebackers this season. Mitchell being a linebacker, he wasn't going to see any playing time moving forward. And so he decided to take his talents elsewhere. Uh, Jansen Dunn, a former four-star safety out of Kentucky. He has since committed to his hometown Wildcats, so he moves back home. And then Johnson, a three-star safety in that same 2021 class. So three guys that, you know, 
maybe Dunn would have gotten some burn at, at safety with, you know, some of the guys that, you know, if, if Ronnie Hickman moves on, which we, you know, probably expect he will, um, maybe there's going to be a competition for that safety spot. But you imagine, you know, a guy like Sonny Styles will probably step in there. So probably not a guy that's going to play. Same with Johnson um, and same with Mitchell. So, you know, best of luck to those guys in their, their new pursuits. And then on the additions front, Ohio State has gotten their guy in the transfer portal so far, Josh, and long snapper <laughs> John Furlman. He was Arizona State's starting long snapper this season. Uh, he'll almost certainly start for the Buckeyes next season with Bradley Robinson exhausting his eligibility at the end of this year. Um, not sure how much else there is to really say here. I think Ohio State you know, went out and got their guy, Josh. They, they went to the transfer portal, and they filled a position of need finally. It's what all the Ohio State fans have been asking for, I'm sure. It's funny. As a Cincinnati Bengals fan, I can tell you that the long snapper is of the utmost importance. Uh, they choked away a game uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier this year because their guy went down, but... Yeah, hey, and listen, you know, if you look ch- at, you know, if you look at the Michigan game, there's a chance that had that snap gone better on that punt, Ohio State runs a fake punt there. So the long snapper, sort of important. You're talking yourself into it here, Gene. But yeah, I mean, look, um, my understanding is he was, and look, I don't know how many long snappers are like ranked in the, in the transfer portal, but I think he was up there, you know, a little bit of experience, probably a good high school player. So it's not a sexy position by any means, but they went out and they got somebody. Right. That's how they fill their their special teams needs. It seems like long snapper and kicker. They go out and they find a transfer. Uh, So great job by Parker Fleming there to go and get another one. But as far as the three players on their way out, look, I would say get used to it. Um, And it sucks, frankly, not that these three guys in particular are looking elsewhere or heading elsewhere. But this is today's college football. There's just no other way around it. And, you know, I, I I don't have names. I hope that nobody else leaves, but like we could see guys leave after the Georgia game. If Ohio state were to not continue hell, even if Ohio state goes on and wins a national title, we could see prominent names leave. I look at a guy like, um, gosh, I think it's Jermaine Burton played for Georgia last year, won a natty. He was like, Hey, Thank you, guys. I'm out. I'm going to go play for Alabama, be the next Jameson Williams. Didn't work out for him. But this is going to happen more and more. You look at, again, I'm going to bring up Alabama. They have had a bunch of guys leave and not all major contributors, but they had at least one starter along the offensive line who I think just committed to Miami. His last name's Cohen. Um, You can double check me on that, but This is the new norm, man, and I I think that with NIL out there and promises of playing time and promises of like a higher profile and a larger platform, this is going to continue to happen, unfortunately, even for the good teams, the best teams in college football. So, you know, in order to react appropriately, I think that Ohio State does need to get somewhat aggressive, maybe identify some guys in the portal to bring in. We know that they've been linked to or had conversations with a couple of offensive linemen, tight end from Maryland. So it seems like they are kind of getting on board with that, maybe more so than they have in the past. But it's another thing, too, where I think Ohio State is going to look for specific fits. I don't know. I definitely don't believe that they are going to go the – USC pick a roster 
kind of process, right? Just go and nab these guys from all over the country. I don't think that's in Ohio State's DNA, and I really can't fault them for it. They preach chemistry. They like to develop that chemistry within the team. But, yeah, like they are going to have to be on their toes. They are going to have to have conversations with guys who might be looking elsewhere, who may have mentioned it to a coach, mentioned it to a teammate, things like that. So this is going to be, a, I think, a wild wild off season, maybe more so than even last year. And so Ohio state needs to be buttoned up. I think they need to look for those opportunities to bring good established players in and maybe have some awareness of whom on your current roster might be looking elsewhere, which is a scary sort of scenario to face, but that's where we're at right now. Yeah, for sure. And I know that, you know, a lot of Ohio State fans are probably a little bit scared of this new transfer portal world and and the players they might lose. And like you said, they may lose a prominent guy here and there, you know, maybe not guys that are going to start because they really have no reason to leave. But, you know, even someone like Travion Henderson had been rumored at potentially looking at the portal this offseason. And he has since, you know, quelled those rumors and said he's going to come back, even though he is going to miss the playoff game. But, you know, there's there's every chance in the world that Ohio State loses a guy, you know, especially at those rooms that are loaded. You look at Ohio State's wide receiver room, not all of those guys are going to play. There's only three or four spots on the field for those wide receivers to play in any given game. And so if, you know, a guy that was a former four, uh, you know, high four star, maybe even a five star prospect that isn't seeing the field as much as he wants. Maybe those guys choose to leave. But I think on the flip side, that the, the transfer portal should be a net positive for the Buckeyes because you look at what yes. you know other big schools are able to do. You go out and you plug the holes of the the positions you know that you've missed. You look at other big schools like Alabama, Michigan, going out and plugging holes immediately with top tier talent from smaller schools. You know the guys that you're going to lose. While they may be good players and talented players and go on to have good careers elsewhere, they're guys that probably weren't going to make a big impact for your team moving forward or else they would have left. Whereas, you know, you look across the country, you know, you pick up a kid from, you know, a a UTEP or, you know, a school like that that was, you know, a a top tier, you know, offensive lineman or a cornerback or like, you know, a player like that that knows he could play at at a higher level. You go out there as Ohio State and you have a chance to grab these guys who are now, you know, proven commodities at the college football level. And I, I think that the transfer portal benefits the big boys of college football more than it hurts them because while they may lose their fair share of players, they're able to go out and basically shop for whatever, you know, top tier talent they have to to fill the holes that either that they missed in recruiting or, you know, positions that didn't quite pan out the year before. You're able to go out there and fix that. And, you know, I, I think that you know, I'm not a huge fan of Ohio State's approach to the transfer portal. I think that they have, you know, these past couple of years, they've had some glaring holes that they could have filled in the portal, and they, they kind of chose not to because they don't want to hurt current guys on the roster's feelings. But that just isn't how, when you're one of these premier programs in college football, you can't be afraid to do that. You know, if a guy's going to leave because you bring in a better player, then just let that guy go. Like, it's just, you need to have the best 11 guys on the field on both sides of the football at any given time. And if you could add a guy like that, through the transfer portal, you have to go out and do it. You know, you look this offseason. I keep saying offseason, even though Ohio State still has games to play, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, Ohio State has, you know, pretty glaring holes in the secondary, but they're seemingly not really shopping for corners. You look at a guy like Fentrell Cypress, one of the top transfers in the country. He was outspokenly interested in Ohio State, but it doesn't really seem like the Buckeyes are all that interested in him for whatever reason. You know, a guy like J.Q. Hardaway at, at Cincinnati, he was someone who was recruited by Perry Eliano to the Bearcats. He just committed to Kentucky. You know, Tony Grimes, another big name at corner. I haven't heard really a peep from Ohio State on that front, even though they were, you know, in on him during his recruiting process. 
And so it is just kind of surprising to me that, you know, you look around and this should be something that benefits, you know, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Clemsons of the world when they could go out and fix their, you know, their needs. But it doesn't seem like Ohio State is really willing to go out and be aggressive in the portal, like you said. And I think that they they probably should be. You don't want to build your entire roster through the portal because you look at what happens to a school like Michigan State when you do that. But when you're a school that recruits like Ohio State and you just have a few, you know, holes that you need to plug here and there, I think that the transfer portal is a great avenue to do that. And I don't feel like they're, you know, doing that enough this far. Maybe they prove me wrong this offseason. They go out and land a couple of guys. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like they're really being aggressive enough in the transfer portal. I think they're sort of up against it, too. And again, this is not me trying to make excuses, but, you know, they are trying to secure their 2023 class and at the same time prepare for a, you know, pretty important football game. Right. So the whole schedule in general, and this is like an NCAA sort of gripe it's not what it should be. It's not fair to every team. It really, it's not fair to any team who is preparing for a bowl game, let alone one of these teams. It's like, Hey, we've got a championship in mind, but I could not agree with you more that Ohio state does need to supplement their roster. You cannot rely exclusively on your recruiting classes and and development. Like you want to preach those things and you want to, you know, get an A plus on your recruiting class and in the development sort of realm. But we've seen some of these other teams just go out and get a guy, two guys. Look at Alabama, what they did with Jamison Williams, right? You need to be willing to supplement. And hopefully Ohio State is coming around on that a little bit. You know, they they seem to be taking more of like a uh, like a Clemson approach. Clemson has not been super active either, and they've still maintained a high level of success, but they've fallen back just a little bit. And so, yeah, like they, they need to become comfortable being uncomfortable when it comes to like current players feelings, because you might think that you, you know, you still, struck gold with this guy, but if it's been a year or two and you're not seeing the development you expected or that you had hoped for, if you're not trying to fill holes, then that is, you know, you're doing so at a detriment to the rest of your roster. You know, what if Ohio state had, well, Ohio state is going to have Paris Johnson, Jr. Leave Dewan Jones leave. I, I'm not real sure where Luke Whipler is and his sort of thinking Matt Jones, if Ohio state, just brings the band back and whether it's Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, whomever, and their next quarterback just, you know, gets murked week in week out. That's because Ohio state failed to supplement the roster. So I'm absolutely with you. I think that they need to, you know, be selective. You don't need to go out and get uh, another running back. I don't think in my opinion, but you have to, realistically look at some of the holes on the current roster and go out and find a guy, have some conversations. I don't know how much they can do of that right now with all the other things that these coaches have going on, but yeah, look for identify and try to attract some of this proven talent because it's only going to make your roster better. Even if they were to go out and get a, uh, you know, even if they had gone out and gotten Keon Keeley, for example, What's he going to give you as a true freshman next year? Who knows, right? But he's probably not going to be like that Chase Young type. So 
what else do you have? And if if players start to leave, if there's some sort of mass exodus because competition comes in, well, then so be it. Because if there were to be some sort of mass exodus, which I don't think there will be, but if guys at certain positions leave because they're fearful of competition or, you know, their butt hurt, they got their feelings hurt because they just assumed they would get playing time next year. That's not what college football, that's not what sports, that's not what competition is about. You know, it's, it's in, it's there, it's competition. You want to have the best of the best, put them up against each other. And then the best guys get on the field. So yeah, Ohio state does need to get somewhat aggressive, I would think. And who knows, maybe they will. I just, it's a very, you know, it's a predicament, I think, to be in, to be doing all of these things where like transfers are probably very far down on the list, but you know, it's a need. So it's definitely a juggling act, but I I hope, and I, I think that they'll maybe bring a guy or two or three, four guys in who can help this team next year, who are not maybe 17, 18 years old right now. Yeah, it's certainly a juggling act, and it's not easy to do, but I also think you can't afford to, you know, you can't afford to put all your eggs in the Georgia basket, lose that game, and then come into next year unprepared because you didn't look at the transfer portal market, and now you've, you know, you've tanked, you haven't fully tanked, yeah. but you've you've hamstrung yourself for an entire season because you were too busy focusing on one game, and then, you know, did, did things didn't even go well there. So, I, I do think there is some give and take there, I do agree with you there, and I also think that, you know, we're not, Ohio City isn't going to go out and get, like, you know, a Devin Leary at quarterback, that would be silly but you know go out and get the positions like you said that you you actually need go out and look at corners go out and look at maybe you know interior defensive linemen maybe you know especially offensive linemen we're gonna get to in a second um that's really the main one they've been actually actively shopping but yeah if there's guys on the roster that are gonna have you know their feelings hurt because they have to compete for a spot then they probably weren't good enough to play anyway because if they were they'd be starting over that guy so um, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's the biggest deal in the world that if you know if a player leaves because you bring someone else in, I think that's kind of you know still a net positive if that player is better. Uh, but nonetheless, yeah, let's look at that before we get out of here because we have some some time constraints here. But the only position that Ohio State, like I said, really seems to be actually actively shopping in the portal is that offensive line, and that's because they almost have to. Um, like you said, the Buckeyes will almost certainly lose Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones to the NFL. Um, neither has officially announced, but we have to assume that they're gone. Luke Whipler is another guy, like you said, getting some buzz. So there's a chance Ohio State needs to replace all of those three guys. Um, Ohio State and Justin Fry are seemingly in on a handful of transfers at this position, though. Um, you look at a guy like uh, guard Ajani Cornelius, one of the top available offensive linemen in the portal. He's a, a guard out of Rhode Island. Um, he's going to be choosing between Ohio State, Nebraska, Oregon, and Tennessee on Wednesday. Um, Jeremiah Byers, an offensive tackle out of UTEP, also on Ohio State's radar. Uh, both Byers and Cornelius visited with the Buckeyes this past weekend. So, you know, depending on how those visits went, maybe one or two of those guys winds up at Ohio State. And then just another guy on the radar here, not an offensive lineman, but tight end C.J. Dupree, another guy Ohio State's in on, former Maryland tight end. He's actually already down to Ohio State and Alabama as his top two, but there is no timetable for his decision. That is sort of another position of need, a less, you know, less talked about one, but another position of need for Ohio State here at tight end, considering that, you know, the top three guys on the depth chart this year were guys that didn't even come to Ohio State as tight ends. Um, probably should bring in a player that knows how to play tight end for next season, just a thought. But yeah, those are some of the names we've heard for Ohio State. But yeah, like we said, it wouldn't hurt to be 
more aggressive. I would be stunned if they don't bring in at least one or two offensive linemen, given all that they are going to lose this offseason. And they do have, you know, some other guys waiting in the wings, but they're not going to have guys at the level of, you know, Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones next year unless they bring in, you know, some transfers. But yeah, I mean, there's there's clearly some holes in this roster that need to be filled. There's guys on the market that they could fill them with, and we just have to see if they actually, you know, go out and do it. You can't start from scratch. Uh, along the offensive line you know that's the biggest thing that sort of jumps out to me um whether they executed perfectly every single game this year or whether it was you know health play calling what have you for the most part ohio state's offensive line was a big time strength this year and to lose at least one first round talent potentially two in dewan jones like that's something where i don't think you can roll the ball out with guys on the current roster all guys on the current roster i do think you need to add some experience because again if you don't that's sort of unfair to a guy like luke whipler like a guy to donovan jackson who are going to be counting on you know their brothers in arms next to them to protect whoever the next quarterback is going to be so i think that's definitely a position of need the tight end from maryland athletic kid big kid like 6'5 260 who knows if Cade Stover is coming back, but Cade Stover was not a, a perfect tight end this year, even though he did make some uh, really good progress. So no problem with the sort of flirtation there. I think secondary cornerback specifically is also a need. If you can go and find a guy with experience, whether that's um, the the transfer from Virginia, Tony, Gri- Tony Grimes, somebody like that, that was a weakness for Ohio State this year. So, I still have I'm holding out some hope for a guy like Jordan Hancock, uh, J.K. Johnson, TBD on Denzel Burke, really. But after what we saw this year, again, I don't think you can roll the ball out with that current group and and no competition or limited competition and say, hey, I expect you guys to get 20 percent better. So I think Ohio State needs to be selective, but selectively aggressive, if that makes sense. And it really comes down to what can Ohio state offer. And this is sort of, it's applicable to transfers, but just big picture, because I think it's also with recruiting and NIL and things like that. Ohio state can offer something that not many other schools can offer. You know, you look at viewership this year, Ohio state football was the most watched football program throughout the entire country. Um, the TV exposure, every single game's on national television, you know, a bunch of them in sort of primetime spots. Um, the winning track record, the development that we've seen here, things like that. Like Ohio State is a very, very attractive option, whether that be for a transfer or a recruit. And so I think that they, well, maybe, you know, loosening up a little bit on what they sort of promote or offer after the fact. I think Ohio State needs to continue to push culture, development, things like that, because when I look at it from like an NIL perspective, Ohio State is not going to go out and offer an offensive tackle from William and Mary $500,000. They're not going to go out and promise that. And look, for, for all the people who are, you know, pissed off right now and belly aching about Ryan day and Gene Smith and NIL and things like that. Like, look, the money's not coming from their pockets and it's not coming from the Ohio state budget. Right. And 
so those guys have to tread very carefully, but you know, maybe promote and push what you have. And what I think Ohio state has is they can really offer all of the NIL money in the world, but it comes in the form of performance bonuses. Come here, develop, get picked up in the first round and make generational money. If you want to go to Texas A&M because they're promising you $4 million over four years when you haven't even played a down of college football, great. Go do it and then show me the proof of concept. Show me how it's worked for Texas A&M. Show me how it worked for Michigan State with all their transfers. I'm not saying NIL was a factor there, but they went out and they got a whole a whole new roster, Right. Worked really well with Kenneth Walker the third. Their defense has been hot garbage as a result. Yes, it worked for USC, but I need to see more proof of concept. So lean on and push your track record. What have you done? Who are the highest paid players in the NFL right now? Or some of them, right? <clears throat> it's it's the Bosa's. It's Ezekiel Elliott at running back. It's Marshawn Lattimore at cornerback. It's um, you know, Corey Lindsley just got a huge deal and those aren't all Ryan day guys, Justin Fry guys, what have you, but Ohio state has something to offer and they need to continue to hammer that home for recruits, but also transfers, go out, find some guys that you like and say, Hey, look, if you leave UTEP and come here, I'm not going to give you a Benjamin out of my pocket right now. I'm not going to give you the hundred dollar handshake, right? But what we can potentially do is develop the absolute hell out of you and make you the next Paris Johnson Jr. So that was sort of me getting on my soapbox for a little bit. But for everyone who's sort of down on Ohio State right now, take a step back and look at things. Right. You're playing in a college football playoff. You're going to put guys into the first round of the NFL draft. You've got at least a top seven recruiting class right now. You've got a heck of a start with your 2024 class. You've got a guy who's what, 45 and five as a head coach. Brian Hartline doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Like I could go on and on and on. Lean on what you have. Push what you have to these guys that you're looking at. And I think in the end, it will help them get the right talent and the right players. Yeah, I mean, you have to basically find guys that are willing to bet on themselves a bit. You know, you need to, you know, you're not going to get that maybe, you know, I know they're working on their NIL stuff right now, but you're not going to get, you know, maybe an initial investment as high as you'll get at a place like Miami or Texas A&M, but the contract you'll get in the NFL down the line will be much higher than you'll get, you know, not playing at either of those places. So um, I, I think it's it's sort of a, a you know, it's, it's a two it's a two lane highway. You got to kind of pick the way you want to go. It's, you know, initial investment now. Maybe, you know, you are kind of taking a risk on yourself of, you know, maybe you won't make it to the NFL. Maybe that won't happen, but you are giving yourself the best chance if you play at a place like Ohio State, like you said, with all the, the branding they have, the, the viewership they get, you know, the, all, all eyes are going to be on you. And so playing at the highest level and things like that will put you in the best position to make that big contract down the line, even if you aren't making you know as much money out of the gate as you may make at some of those other places. Hasn't exactly panned out on the field for those teams just yet, so maybe that isn't the route to go entirely. So nonetheless, I think that is you know most of the big... Ohio State news these past few weeks, you know, that's that's kind of what's hot in the streets now, recruiting in the transfer portal. Um, obviously, next week we'll be back here with a, an in-depth preview of that uh, game against Georgia in the college football playoff. But Josh, I think that's that's more or less it for us this week. Kind of a, you know, kind of a talking Ohio State fans down off the ledge a bit today for us, but... I think that we've, you know, kind of covered all the the bigger bigger happenings among the Ohio State world. We didn't really dive too much into the NIL stuff, but I think that, you know, that's that's a whole nother that could be a whole podcast on its own. 
I just wanted to hear your voice, Gene. That's the only reason I wanted to do a podcast, chop it up a little bit, talk about Ohio State football, uh, and hear from my guy. So, yeah, I, I don't have anything else to add. I'm looking forward to the preview next week. Yeah, absolutely. Love love talking to you, Josh. Love talking about the Bucks. We'll be back soon enough with our preview, and then we'll also be back, obviously, following that game, hopefully with a happy recap, and then hopefully a preview of a national championship after that. So, um, nonetheless, we will get out of your hair for now, and we'll be back with that next episode. Um, be sure to check out all of our written content over at landgrantholyland.com. We have a ton going on now. Even though the football team isn't currently playing, we have a ton of basketball coverage on both the men's and the women's, as well as you know our, our typical recruiting coverage and all the other ins and outs of Ohio State that there are to have. So be sure to check all of that out. Be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, all that good stuff, all the podcasts ask you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross. And as always, go Bucks.